0: Welcome to the Trinity Galewood Podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at seventeen hundred one North Narragansett in Chicago, and meet every Sunday morning at ten thirty a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood Podcast. Would you pray with me, Father? We thank you once again for this day. We thank you. For, for the gift of Easter, and I pray, God, that as we, uh, as we see and listen and hear more from your word, that your spirit would guide and lead us to see you a little bit more clearly. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, has anybody ever seen this movie before, Vantage Point? Anybody seen this movie before? Uh, a, a handful of people. All right, this is good. Um, so, uh, if you're looking for a good action. Uh, movie. This is one that came out uh, maybe like 10, 15 years ago. And uh, in this movie, um, it is uh, filled with all kinds of action. You're not going to fall asleep during this movie. What it does is it pieces together this attempted assassination of the President of the United States. Not a true story, fictional story, uh, starring, uh, what's his name, Dennis Quaid and And Forrest Whitaker, you can see him there with the the video camera. Anybody remember those things back in the day? Obviously, this is before the iPhone, all right? Sigoury Weaver, a bunch of other people are in this film. And it goes like this. Uh, Essentially, the president goes to Spain. He's going to give this speech to a bunch of people. And as he stands up to give the speech, he's shot. He's assassinated. And uh, and. And what the movie does, again, this is a fictional story, but what the movie does that's so fascinating and it just caught my attention is that it then takes and and it takes these eight different perspectives to piece together the story of who shot the president. It's really fascinating. All of a sudden, now you're looking through the eyes of Forrest Whitaker and his old school like camcorder here, and it's like, what were you looking at? And then Dennis Quaid, who works for the CIA, we, we get this same thing where he has some information of what's going on. And as you're watching it, it's being pieced together so that you can ultimately learn who's responsible for this assassination. See, what's fascinating about this story is that it's one event that's told from different perspectives to give you this fuller picture. And and when I read the Bible, and my hope is that when you read the Bible, what we get in these first four books of the New Testament, we read that this is what the writers are doing that they are four witnesses of this one event that happened, this event that Jesus rose from the dead. And four different people, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, some of which were firsthand witnesses, others were secondhand, they heard from somebody else, but they are giving you these details and information about how Jesus rose from the dead. And as a result, you and I, we are seeing a fuller picture of who our God is. Because if Jesus rose from the dead, it changes everything. If Jesus rises from the dead, that means that everything is is different. And so today we're gonna be starting this series called The Four Witnesses, where we are literally going to be looking at these four gospel writers, is what we call them Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You should have a booklet that looks like this on your seat. This is yours to take home and keep. But in this series, we could spend so much time talking about all the details and we could nerd out or rather I could nerd out on all of these things about the details of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. But I want to begin by this point. Why? Why even look in to these writers? Why even read accounts of this guy who rose from the dead thousands of years ago? Why does that even have any relevance or importance for right now? Because here's what I know. You're maybe here because it's Easter and you're going to get a good meal when you go home. You're maybe here because you just want to wear a nice outfit and show it off to a bunch of people and say, yeah, all right, I was seen and heard, all right, and, and now I can go back to my normal life. Why do we still read these accounts? Why are they important? Well, I love how one person said it, a guy named Thomas Merton. He said this. He said, there's only one problem on which all of my existence, my peace, and my happiness depend. To discover myself and God discovering me. When he finds me, I find my true self, and I find him. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying that there's only one problem on which all of my existence, all of my peace, all of my happiness depend, is in finding, or rather God finding me. What Merton is saying is that if I want to find myself, then I need to know who my creator is. If I want to find myself, I need to know who my savior is. And I think this is a question that all of us are wrestling with. Why do I exist? Where do I get my peace? And where does my happiness come from? And what we believe is that that is found in knowing who our God is and what he has done for us. Amen? And so today I want to introduce you to Matthew. Matthew, this guy who was a first-hand account, uh, a disciple of Jesus, he had a first-hand account. He walked with Jesus in, uh, in all of the miracles and things that Jesus was doing. You can read his story in Matthew chapter 9 of how he was converted from a tax collector to a disciple of Jesus. And Matthew, if you were to take his whole book, 28 chapters, and, and read it, he is making this claim that in a world of broken promises, Jesus is the one who fulfills the promises that God has made to us. See, what Matthew is doing is, is he is this first writer that, that is making this connection, this bridge from the Old Testament before Jesus entered into the world to now. That Jesus is this fulfillment of broken promises. He is the fulfillment of the promise that is to come. And to do that, I want to just focus on some really important things for us to see here. I want to look at just the first page of Matthew's gospel account. And I want to look at the last page. And we'll give some like, pieces as to why this is real, why this is beautiful, and why it's messy. So here, look at me. Look, look with me at the first words that Matthew says in Matthew one, verses one through three. It says this. This is how he begins his account of this guy who rose from the dead. He said, "The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the Son of David, the Son of Abraham." Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah, and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram. And all of y'all are thinking, that's how it begins? No wonder I didn't get past this part. I can't even pronounce half of these names. Like, what is he saying here? What's he beginning with? Well, remember, Matthew is is making this connection from the Old Testament. He is bringing us back to these really important people. And the first claim that Matthew wants us to understand is that this is a true story. He's not just making this up. This isn't some mythical tale. No, he's connecting it to people. He's connecting it to a group of people that were known as real people and celebrated from generation to generation. Did you notice some of the names that were in there? A guy named David, ever heard the story of David and Goliath? Anybody heard that story before? Probably all of us, right? We love it as American people because we want to be David slaying Goliath, right? The the little man taking down the big man. We love this story. And what, what, what Matthew is saying here is that David, that Jesus comes from this lineage of a king, David, who took down a giant. David was also known as a man after God's own heart. He was known as the greatest king in Israel's history, and Jesus comes from that line. He also, if you noticed in here, it says Abraham, right? That Jesus came from the line of Abraham. You can read of his story in the Old Testament early on that he was the father of many nations, he would be the father that everyone else would come from, that his, that his name or and that his fame would be as beautiful as the stars in the sky. His descendants would be that large, as the grains of the sand. See, Jesus comes from this lineage, and what Matthew is saying early on is this is a real story. The second thing that he's pointing out here in these first words is this, is that Jesus' family is inclusive. This is important to see as well, that while it is certainly real, we also continue to read here that That we get some other people that are found in this genealogy. Verse five, it continues And Solomon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David the king, and David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. And, And if you were an original hearer, if you had this Jewish context to understand who these people were, you would be floored. Be like, what? You're putting David in the same lineage and line, or this Jesus is in the same lineage and line as David, but also as Rahab? Rahab, who is known as, as a prostitute. One who God used to, to bring the spies in as they spied the promised land. This was radical. How could she be a part of the genealogy of Jesus. Or, or you read of, of Ruth here, that, that Ruth herself was a Canaanite, was rather a Moabite, a, a people group who wasn't allowed to worship at the Jewish temple. She was somebody who was outside of this family. And now Ruth is mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. I want you to see here that the family of God is bigger than the divisions that the world makes. Amen? It's too easy for us as people. In fact, I think it's one of the greatest schemes that plays in our world right now that causes all kinds of division. What we read in the end is that every tribe, nation, and tongue will be worshiping the King. And what we see within the family of Jesus is that this is true as well. That this is good news because we're in as a part of this family. I also want you to see, too, that that we read here that it's kind of messy as well in this genealogy. Notice this. It says, and David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. What the readers would have known during that time is that the woman that they were talking about, they, they didn't even name here, was a woman named Bathsheba. And King David, who, yes, was this great king after God's own heart, also was a king who had an affair and killed someone not just some random person. He killed Bathsheba's husband so that he could have her for himself. And see, I think sometimes we give this perception because y'all look really good today. It's Easter Sunday, right? And we come forward and we're in this beautiful space, these beautiful stained glass windows and flowers that are here. Apparently, I don't know how they got here. All right, somebody came and designed all of this and we come into the space and we say, this must be true of what the church looks like. That these people that are here are just perfect and don't have any problems, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Because we can identify with this genealogy, right? We as broken people contribute as well. And so we see that not only is this a true story that Matthew wants us to see, that Jesus' family is inclusive, but the third thing that he says on the first page is that Jesus is faithful to his promises. See this in Matthew 1, verses 21 through 23. This is so beautiful. Early on, Matthew wants the, the readers to get this. He says, She, being Mary, his mother, will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Do you see these two incredible promises early on that are being shared? Number one, it says that that Jesus is going to come and he will save his people from their sin. This is what we celebrate today. This is why we're here, because our God rose again from the grave. He conquered sin, death, and the devil to rescue and to save. But there's another beautiful promise, the last thing I want to point out here, and it actually takes us to the last page of Matthew's account is not only does God promise that he's come to save and rescue, but he also promises that he is with us. That the God who came into this world to rescue and save is also the same God who has come and walks with us here today. Notice these last words that Tiffany read for us here in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Of the age. Jesus brings this promise not only that he's coming to rescue and save, but that he is with us. And so, what Matthew wants you and I to see in the pages that he is writing that we still read thousands of years later, and this is just the tip of the iceberg, but he wants you to see that this is a true story with real people that is inclusive, that is an invitation. You acknowledge your need for a Savior, welcome to the family. That Jesus is faithful to his promises, and that God is with us in this journey. That's why I love this movie, Vantage Point, <laughs> Because what you see in this movie is an event that happened or was actually in the movie fake, but all these different perspectives that just give you a fuller picture so that you see. That was a weird timing. (laughs) But but what we get in the Gospels, in these four witnesses, are One story of Jesus, our God, who rose again from the dead. And in these accounts, it gives us a fuller picture of who our God is and what he's done. So you might say, okay, well, cool. What does that have to do with anything or what am I supposed to do now? I'm glad you asked. There's a couple things I'd love for you to take from today. The first one is this. I want to invite you that in the next coming weeks, uh, this is why we gave you this booklet, The Four Witnesses. Uh, We made these to be a guide so that as you read the scriptures and as you take on a challenge of reading these good words about who Jesus is, this is intended to be a helpful guide for you I know firsthand that reading the Bible can be a complex thing to do. So this is a gift that we wanna just put in your hands as an aid to engage more deeply in the scriptures. The second thing is this. I just want you to come back next week. (laughs) It's a simple thing you can do. Show up again. Be here with us again as we engage and learn more About who our God is. And this is the good news. This is why we continue to read these stories of Jesus. They are beautiful because they are filled with a promise promise to rescue us from sin, death, and the devil that has real, real consequences for us. That's beautiful. That God takes what are things that were dead and makes them alive alive. And, and it is the good news that changes everything. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. And Lord, today we are so grateful for, for your resurrection. Knowing that that changes everything, and so God, I pray that uh, that as we live in a world filled with um, all kinds of questions, opinions, uh, yearnings to to find purpose and meaning, I pray, Lord that we would, we would hear your promises and your word. And God, uh, may we trust that you are present and that you are powerful, mighty to save. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.